In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is Gaudate Sunday, a day the church sets aside in this preparatory and more penitential season for us to light our pink candle and to lighten our hearts just a bit. As our anticipation of Christmas, of the incarnation of Emmanuel, God with us, draws nearer and nearer, as our days grow shorter and shorter, and as we journey deeper into the heart of Advent, we arrive here this morning and are invited to rejoice, to celebrate, to exult, to delight. To rejoice because we have been told that even in the darkest and hardest of times, the light of Christ will indeed shine. But if you're anything like me, it can sometimes be a bit hard to work up the energy to rejoice genuinely or with much enthusiasm, especially at this time of year, because there is just so much going on. Everywhere we look, we can see death and decay. Leaves are falling. The plants we worked so hard to keep alive and well throughout the summer have gone dormant or have died. The pumpkins that I will admit were still sitting on my porch on Friday afternoon were completely rotted. And it is staying darker for longer and longer each day as December 21st approaches. And that's not even taken, taking into consideration the abundant rain we have endured over the past week. Even looking around at all of the signs of the season, beautiful lights and decorations which shine brightly into the darkness of the world, Christmas trees already beautifully decorated and presents already wrapped under those trees can be a reminder of just how much we have to do just how much we have to prepare before we can celebrate Christ's birth. And that is in addition to the spiritual preparation, the spiritual work that we are called to do this season. So even though we proclaim in our songs that this is the most wonderful time of the year, we could also proclaim another reality, a reality that John the Baptist knew all too well, as we walk through these weeks of Advent, as we and the world deck our halls and our homes and our lives, we can also feel trapped and imprisoned by the overwhelming expectations of this season, by the literal darkness of this time of year, by those things we have done which we are not very proud of, and by the grief the sorrow, the worry, or the longing that just seems a bit closer to the surface during the holidays. Perhaps this might even be the year that you or someone you know is wondering if the light of Christ will really, can really, shine into these particular darknesses, these particular difficulties. And if that's you, if you are feeling any of this, take heart, because you are not 
and will never be alone. John the Baptist knew something of this feeling. He knew something of what it meant to be trapped, to be held captive by the forces of the world. In our reading this morning, we hear of John who from prison reaches out to Jesus to ask if he is really who John thought he was, who he really hoped he was, because John's world is a little too dark and a little too scary. And Jesus' work is not necessarily what John hoped and thought it would be. Only a few chapters ago, John the Baptist was on the bank of the Jordan River announcing that the Lord was near and telling Jesus that he, John, should be baptized by him, not the other way around. But now, for John the Baptist, the reality of who Jesus really is has set in. John was likely anticipating a Messiah who would stir up his power and, in the words of Isaiah, come with vengeance and terrible recompense to save God's people from the oppression of the Roman Empire, to show the strength of his arms, scatter the proud in their conceit, to cast down the mighty and lift up the lowly through military campaigns, just like his ancestor David would likely have done. He might have thought and hoped that Jesus would even, in his power and might, dethrone Herod, the man who had imprisoned him. But Jesus is not the kind of Messiah that John was expecting, and John seems to be getting a little bit nervous. So he asks, are you really the one who we are waiting on? Really? because I'm not so sure about you anymore. And Jesus' answer is not really an answer, but an invitation to John and to us. Go and tell him what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, all just like Isaiah foretold. The difference is the salvation of this Messiah, the healing of this Jesus, the liberation of this Emmanuel, didn't and doesn't come through vengeance or terrible recompense, but through a different kind of power, an unexpected and unconventional kind of power, but a power that is stronger and deeper and more transformative than any other type of power or might that our human minds might want or expect. In some ways, we, like John, may be wishing and hoping for someone else, someone who is going to whoosh through our lives with a military-like might and fervor to literally sort us and everything and everyone else out. We might want to see the proud literally scattered and those who are mighty cast down from their thrones. We, like John, might be ready right now to get out of the prisons we are in, the prisons of darkness, the prisons of sin, of grief and worry and sadness. But instead, we, like John, are confronted with someone else, something else. We are gifted with the birth of a Messiah who will be a helpless baby and lie in a manger. We are given a man whose idea of power is less about military might 
and more about the great might of love and forgiveness and compassion and grace and understanding. A man who uses the strength of his arm not to wield a sword, but to reach out and touch those who are sick and suffering and isolated. A man who fills all of the hungry with good things, no matter who they are or where they've been or what they've done. And we are gifted this Messiah because his power is the kind of power that actually has the capacity to stir up our hearts and our minds. This is the kind of might which causes the light of salvation, the light of wholeness and liberation and new birth, to actually shine into the darkest of places in our world in such a way that the darkness can never, ever overcome it. Because this is not just any light. It is a light which transforms and reshapes and re-enlivens the lives of all who encounter it even those in the darkest and lowest and most captive of places. So on this Gaudate Sunday, we are called to rejoice because we are a people who have seen and heard all of the ways that the light of Christ is already and will continue to break into the darkness of our world. We are called to rejoice in every act of forgiveness we have received or extended, to exult in the simple joy of being seen or understood by a loved one or a friend, to celebrate bones that have been healed, illnesses that have been cured, and every kind of kindness that has been offered, to delight in the fact that life will indeed spring forth from that which has died or gone dormant, just like it does every year. To rejoice in the fact that the simple act of loving God and loving our neighbor can set us free from the weight of all that seeks to overwhelm and imprison in this world. We are called to allow our souls to join Mary's soul in proclaiming the greatness of the Lord, the Lord who stirs up his power to come and dwell among us, the one who has and will set us free from all those things which bind us and keep us from God, the one who will lift us up out of the dark and broken places, not with the power of a sword, but with the great might of love and grace and reconciliation. So rejoicing in the imminent advent of this Messiah, let us pray once again. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, Let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen.